welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today we have a wonderful special with Claudia and we're going to talk about different insights of agile and miscommunications of documentation. Would you like to give us a bit of an overview into yourself, what you do and what makes you such a fun person to talk to? Yeah, sure. I don't know if I'm a fun person to talk to. Hopefully we'll see. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, my name is uh, Claudio Medina. I work at IKEA as an engineering manager uh, and I work with roughly six, five teams, you could say, and seven products. That's uh, the area that I try uh, to manage. As an engineering manager at IKEA, you cover both uh, architecture and guidance of the teams. You cover um, the growth of, of your employees or consultants, uh, you, but you also cover all of the non-functional requirements together, uh, together with the product owner. So that's a little bit of what I have to do uh, day to day. Perfect. Amazing. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. This podcast will be slightly different while it's just the two of us here today, Claudio, and we'll be doing more of a Q&A round where I'll ask you some questions that we've kind of come up beforehand and hopefully you'll explain in the best of your abilities and give our listeners some great insights into documentation. Um, I'm going to start really, really broad of just how would you define documentation in the context of coding and software? Well... I think I would start by actually not confining it to the con- context of software. I think documentation, at least as I view it, uh, it doesn't really matter in which con- context it is. Uh, it has the same key ideas that you need to 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 consider. Uh, so, uh, for instance, um, a, a piece of documentation has a receiver, somebody who will read it, and you also need to know who you're targeting. So you need those two pieces uh, to be able to kind of balance the language. Um, so you have, sorry, I have to say the receiver who you're targeting, but also your goal. That is the second one. So what is the purpose of you writing it? Uh, so now you know who's going to read it or the group of people that will read it, uh, but also what your end goal of the documentation is. And having those two pieces uh, should be enough for you to 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 basically define uh, um, the the abstraction level that you need to be at. Amazing, perfect. And why is documentation important? Well, uh, it's important for for many, many, many. I would say many reasons. But if we would look at uh, in in development as such, in this case then you have the aspect of uh, what happens when uh, somebody leaves. Now, there are many different layers of documentation, and I, I guess we'll get into that. But what happens when somebody leaves? What happens when somebody's sick? What happens when you started doing something, but then you didn't finish it, and then you, uh, you're on vacation, and then 
you you come back. That is basically on a developer level. But then you also have stakeholders like product owners, architects, engineering managers, business people. Uh, and what happens when they ask of you, hey, what are the systems involved for this and that? Uh, what happens if uh, you get new stakeholders and you get the same questions again? What happens if you get ad added stakeholders and you get the same questions again? What happens when you change the system? Will the knowledge that these stakeholders have be updated? Is there a way to update them? And frankly, what happens if you would crash with your car and sadly not be able to rejoin work <laughs> um, for whatever reason? I mean, I'm partly joking with it, but it's also super important. It's such a possibility, though. Yeah, it is. You could win the lottery tomorrow and decide that you don't want to come back to work. Exactly. Um, so, no, so yeah. I think I, I think if you if you just think of all of those aspects, then you realize that documentation is super important, and it's not yeah. only tech. It's like any process in an organization. How do you do this? Or let's say you start working at McDonald's, and now you're you're there. Of course, you can learn from people, but you're also supposed to read the 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 security guidance and the guidance on how you. I guess, suppose I, how you fry the fries, how you check the temperature, how you're safe with it. All of that is also documentation. Super important. Yeah, I guess as well, one thing just to add on that with the McDonald's example is it's a great way of keeping everyone doing things consistently as well. Um, so you've not got yep. one person frying them at 500 degrees and one person frying them at 300. Um, it's a good way to keep everyone on the same page. Yes. And you've been an engineer for many years, an engineer manager for a few more of those years as well. What are some of the common challenges that you've seen developers face when it comes to documenting their code? Yeah, so uh, uh, I've been through a bunch of different roles, and um, this is a, um, a reflection that I had as a developer as well. But of course, it, it, it became bigger when I when I uh, changed roles uh, and started being um, in in this particular case an architect trying to get teams to do certain things and and in certain certain ways. So and then from that point on, I've heard this basically in any organization I've been with, more or less employees consultants from all over the world in different from different consultancy firms have the exact same um, misconception i would say so for some reason developers believe that the agile manifesto is trying to tell them that hey documentation is not that important now if we look at what it actually says it is the the sixth uh, principle of the Agile Manifesto that suggests that information is the is best shared face-to-face -face as opposed to tools. Um, uh, basically, process uh, uh, documents and other documentation is secondary to the face-to-face. -face. Uh, now, one has to also read in when it was written. It was written in a time where uh, organizations had specification pages, uh, uh, specifications that were several hundred pages long. Uh, and so in that scenario, of course, you might want to have a different balance. And more importantly, you might want to include the human connection in, in, into it. But this doesn't mean 
that now we do the human connection, but we don't document anything. And that is the misconception that I see uh, across the industry, really. Yeah, no, yeah, I can completely see how that could happen and why that would create quite a few challenges. How does that influence the development of the team and the process that a team follows? I think uh, it's probably, I mean, what it means is when you you do have that uh, misconception, then you start skipping on documentation. Maybe maybe you had good intentions. You wanted to to create the documentation, but you push pushed it to last, and then suddenly you need to release, and you have a deadline, uh, and uh, and now you're releasing it, and you're just not writing the documentation. You're just not updating what you need to update. You're just not you're just not doing it. That is, I think, um, something that happens. And if we look at the collaboration part of it, of course would be that uh, unless you've actually had that um, you know face to face contact or that communication within the team which is something that usually uh, grows within the team so it's connected to team maturity then there is a lot of communication that is not happening especially in in, in the times that we we are at now where we have a lot of hybrid teams or a lot of remote teams where they might not be sitting in the same place sharing the lunch seeing each other uh, and and talking spontaneously about pieces of work yeah yes yeah it's really interesting actually what you just said then about the remote work it's something i haven't even thought about throughout all of the things you just said but that can completely alter things of if someone doesn't document how they've done it and someone's not there to directly speak to them, it can it can hugely affect the product or the project that you guys are working on. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect. Well we've gone through some of the some of the why documentation is important, some of the challenges it can create. Moving forward then onto the next part of our conversation, what tools or platforms have you found to be the most effective when creating and maintaining documentation? Um, I think uh, it depends a little bit on the project or product. Uh, it also depends on the tools that are provided by the organization and the organization itself. Uh, so high-level documentation, uh, and this is what I see would be relevant to, let's say, enterprise architects, business owners, and to some extent, product owners, should be available in a platform that is close to those stakeholders, something that they use, something that is readily available to them. So uh, an example would be Confluence, which is what we use. Um, So in Confluence, we know that these stakeholders have the Confluence access. So when we're looking at high-level documentation, that is the place that I would prefer to put it. Uh, Now, this high-level documentation is something that quite easily becomes stale. But the good thing with that is that it's less important. Usually, if you do a big redesign, you will be updating these images. But if you do, or these pictures or these documents, uh, but, but if you do minor changes, there might be some discrepancies. But at this high level, in most cases, they do not matter, which means that you can look at it at when you find out that there is a mistake, that's your opportunity to fix it. Now, you have also the mid-level documentation. And mid-level documentation is more like the solution architect or system architect. 
uh, or other teams even uh, across the organization. Um, and these could be infrastructure overviews, uh, da your data concepts. What are what what are your data concepts that you're using within uh, within your product, or uh, what what taxonomy are you using on the data? Uh, what systems and subsystems are you using? These don't change that often either, uh, albeit at a higher frequency than the extreme high level. But again, the, these documents usually have more, more eyes on it. So basically, when you, you realize, when you get to know that there is a discrepancy, that is again when, when, when you tackle it. Uh, and this mid-level is basically application uh, level, data level, and technology level documentation and um, uh, graphs, if, if you wish. Um, finally, you have documentation that is relevant for the developer, the, the developers themselves. So, in my opinion, that should be close to the code, uh, and usually that means the versioning system that the team is using, uh, and uh, you just leave it close to the code, but not necessarily inside your code. So if you can avoid it inside your code, you avoid it. I think those are basically um, different ways. So if we look at, if we recap in terms of tools, then, then you would have something like Confluence for the really high level. I would say the mid-level would also be covered by Confluence or any other tool that your organization has that is available for those stakeholders, while the documentation uh, for the teams would be um, in your uh, versioning system, uh, preferably, I would say, using Markdown uh, because you do get all of the benefits of, of, of a versioning system like Git using something like Markdown. Now, that's, that's really good. Thank you for going into as much detail there. That was really insightful for me to listen to, to see the different ways of doing it and the different the different ways that people have been successful with documentation. Have there been any specific best practices that you've seen people follow in the past that you would like to share to create successful documentation? Uh, I think uh, the best practices would be, I kind of went through it uh, answering yeah. the previous <laughs> one because I think the best practices is trying to see um, who am I targeting? Okay, so I'm targeting C-level or I'm targeting this enterprise architects or whatever. So now I need to think what do they know and what mo more importantly, what are they interested in in terms of level? And so now I know my audience and then I have to consider what do I want to convey to them? And now I can balance the information uh, to the level that makes sense for them. Uh, an example would would be that a uh, that a uh, 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 let's say uh, um, an architect or an enterprise architect doesn't need to know the language that is being used. In fact, an enterprise architect doesn't necessarily need to know the infrastructure that is running, but rather is more interested in the systems, how the systems interact. What are the ins and outs of the systems? Uh, that is a level that is more, let's say, relevant for an enterprise architect. While on the other hand, if you would look at, uh, let's say, an engineering manager, well, now I want to look at infrastructure. Now I want to know which languages are we using, where and for what. So it's, um, I would say, best practices is to really think about 
who are you targeting? Uh, uh, who is this for? And based on that, you 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 place it in a place which is available to them, and you're written it in a language which is available to them. Yeah, perfect. And just following on from that, you said you said the word balance actually uh, when you did it, and it brings you on quite quite easy transition into our next question of how do you strike the balance between compre- comprehensive documentation whilst keeping it concise? Yeah, th- this again is connected to these same levels. So mm-hmm. when when you know who you're targeting, you can avoid these extreme comprehensive documentations. Uh, in, in fact, if you consider what uh, an enterprise architect needs, you can basically take a very complex picture and just create one box out of it and then just have the ins and outs of that and that is enough for that target. Um, Now, if you go to the other extreme, you have to consider, let's say somebody starts a new, so you have onboarding material and you have documentation there. Again, that is a very different level of data. But again, you have to consider and you have to take into consideration, uh, I think, uh, the Agile Manifesto. So you do want to have the, the, the human interactions going through code, going through the things for real, and letting them experience the code, uh, you know, looking at it together, maybe even solving a problem together, that will give them a lot of knowledge. But the other hand is the documentation where they can look at what are the different subsystems within our uh, system? What are the data contracts between systems? Uh, uh, What are our best practices? Uh, What is our coding standard? Uh, You know, we can, we get, I think it's always, again, it boils down to who you are targeting. So the balancing act should be done through that. Who is the document for and what do I want to convey given the target? And that is the balancing act. No, I know that. I hope if anyone takes anything from this podcast, it's who is this for and what does it convey? Because I think that's a great a great way for you to look at what you're doing and see the value instantly but also make sure it's correct and easy to follow um so this next question i think kind of flows into a little bit of a i don't do it because of this reason um argument which i'm sure that everyone has faced at least some point in their career um but it is in an agile and devops environment how does documentation fit into the fast-paced development cycles yeah, I, I think it's it's uh, an integral part of it. Um, so basically, if, if if let's say you're working uh, in a team and you're you're actually moving quite fast and you're doing most things by the book, so you have uh, let's say Jira uh, or whatever system you have uh, to track your work. Uh, and you have quite a fast throughput. You're even looking at stories, well-written stories, and you have acceptance criteria and whatnot, and you're following those acceptance criteria. And let's argue, you even have connected your commits to your versioning system to those same tickets. So you have a full full traceability from, from the committed code back to the planned work. That, in a way, is documentation. But what happens if you're moving at that pace and you've done certain changes to the system because you're looking at what you have under your nose right now, you're not referring back to existing documentations or decisions uh, because they are not documented, you're just working. 
So now you, last week you got a request, or let's say one month ago you got a request from from a certain user that you wanted to change. Uh, they wanted to change a specific field. So you did it because you want to serve your customers. So you go ahead and you do it. Now two weeks after, or a month after, whatever I said there, uh, uh, some some somebody else comes by and they say, hey, I'd like to change this and whatever. And somehow now you've changed back whatever change was there, or you just changed the feed that you'd already just solved and you're not reflecting on 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 the totality you're not reflecting of uh, uh, what am i changing in this system and what does it affect who does it affect does it affect something we've just recently changed and why and of course you could argue that uh, senior developers will will identify this find this and solve it without anybody ever asking them anything Problem is, right now in the world, we're mostly junior to mid-level developers, and they do not have that experience. So by having documentation on these things, and I would argue here that an architectural decision record uh, in ADR or something similar where you re record at least high-level decisions that you've made on your system is at least that a minimum uh to 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 have a better way of of working with this the other part is that you also need to understand okay this is our product and this is the data model of our product and then you put a version on that data model which means that if somebody's asking for a change then you should also document and update that data model Again, this allows you at least to have the opportunity when the third one comes and wants you to change something, to look at the history and understand, oh, we've done this change before. Why did we do it? Should we do it? Should we revert this or not? Does it make sense or not? It cannot always be in our heads. Certain things need to be documented for us to make better decisions. Otherwise, we're like... Uh, like uh, the fish in the in the bowl, you know yeah. what is it they say? Uh, circles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what they say. Like sixty seconds, ninety seconds, whatever it, it, it is. Uh, probably not scientific, but let's argue it's uh, the sixty seconds. <laughs> and then, uh, then we don't know where we are, and we're always working for zero. But we're not working for from zero. We're working in a context, and this context needs to be at least to some extent documented so that we can share the the context no definitely do you have any tips in improving the communication for a team when trying to do their documentation or having well documented code uh i think uh, uh first of all documentation needs to be in um at, at least until it's supernatural and maybe even then uh, uh, it needs to be in the de definition of done. Uh, so basically, you have to have a working agreement with your team and you go through these different levels of documentation. You take all of the fights that you need to take on why it's important to have certain levels of documentation. Also, assure the team that this is not about uh, you know, nitpickingly typing everything that happens. We have to be rational beings and look what is important. Again, this connects back to who are you actually trying to convey certain information. So you need to know the consumers of your different levels of documentation. And once you discuss those and the team understands, they also understand that you're not asking them to write, you know, millions of rows of documentation. You're asking them 
to do the right level of documentation. And of course, the right level will differ and sometimes it's hard to find it. But at least if you start somewhere and you have something, you will very quickly know if you've done too little or too much. Um, so that, that, yeah, I guess I, now I lost my thread a little bit, but I think I answered. Uh, the yeah, question. you did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the kind of quite a fun question, actually, have you noticed any emerging, emerging trends or technologies that are influencing how documentation is approached? Uh, so to be honest, I haven't been following, uh, this space in terms of emerging technologies right now. Uh, but we have at least for probably, I suppose, 10 years, it's worth mentioning when we're talking about documentation, um, a lot of auto-documentation tools that will auto-document uh, APIs uh, for you, uh, which you then can connect to, to uh, auto-create manuals for you with your business, you know, logotypes, with whatever that might be. Um, so I think that is an important aspect, although not new and not emergent, it's there. Uh, I haven't covered it, covered it in the questions above, uh, but that is actually something that uh, any team should look at, which is automation. How can you automate these pieces of documentation? Another part of it is um, basically, a, any project with code will have a lot of dependencies in terms of, 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 of libraries. Uh, and so uh, in the olden days, somebody would have to sit down and, and write this down if you wanted to know um, uh, what the product completely contained. Today, that is not feasible. And also, I would say, uh, uh, very long ago, uh we automated this but many teams do not automate this and they should consider automating all of their dependencies because what happens when you when you do get uh when you do get a, an incident like uh what is it two years ago we had the log4j incident in java which was a big uh big vulnerability log4j is a logging library used in java basically across most many systems that we use uh, across the world and um, uh, suddenly, if you don't know even that you're using the library, how will you mitigate it? So the first step is obviously to automate this. The second step might be to, to, to centralize it so that the organization knows um, all of the dependencies across all of their products or, or all of their software. Um, but I guess now that would be uh, a future I would like to see where organizations have this uh, centralized knowledge of all of their code. And I'm pretty sure there are companies that have it, uh, but I haven't had the chance to work at a company that has it. And it's really, really interesting, especially with, with you saying then about um, like when the, the Java, Java, sorry, um, it's really interesting actually to see a real life example of why it's so important. Um, Moving on to the kind of the code quality, I think every single manager that I speak to in the tech scene in Sweden um, tell me that the code quality is the most important thing to their product and every developer, that's what they always value themselves as. But how does documentation contribute to the overall quality of code? Uh, yeah, I would say it doesn't. Um, I think documentation is a complementary thing 
But then we have a very important aspect, which we haven't talked about today either, is that code in itself is documentation. Um, so I will separate, um, I will for now exclude like code quality metrics uh, and, and just discuss general things that you have that you should do with your code. So uh, back in the days, uh, we wrote documentation in our source code quite freely. Back in the days, we also used very short names for variables. And so if you were ever like 20 years ago working with the C++, C code, whatever, um, it would be challenging to read what people wrote. Uh, and this, this, I mean, is something that still goes on, but today, uh, from universities and forward, uh, people get taught that you should write code that is readable and understandable just by code. So it means that instead of shortening, I guess, I don't know, let's say bank, let's say um, in, uh, let's say, yeah, order line, for instance, instead of just calling it OL, and then you're happy with that, you should spell it out fully, order line. Whichever method you want to do for that, there are different uh, like there are different schools on uh, should you put the uh, should you use uh, camel case uh, what casing should you do when when in this case two words order line should be that doesn't really matter it's about having it readable so you pick whatever you 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 want or whatever your organization uses preferably uh, and then that's what you keep on so your variables will have meaningful names and let's say you then have a, a, a function so let's say it processes order lines so should you call it uh, ol processor or olp no of course not you should write and name it for what it is, uh, and if you do that with your with your with your classes, with your functions, with your variables, um, then you will have a readable piece uh, piece of uh, code, or at least way more readable piece of code. Then it's just the knowledge uh, the, the knowledge that the person reading has about the language and about your coding uh, standards. So uh, I think. Um, quality of code in that sense uh, if you do these things you will have a better uh, set of quality of code now quality of code also entails some other things like uh, um, you could uh, you, there are some pieces uh, you there are certain things you shouldn't write in a certain way given a certain language and usually you would have linters or other tools that can uh, help you and create reports and basically warn you, hey, please improve this. In fact, even in your development tools, you can get this help. Uh, so that's what I would say. The relationship uh, between documentation and code quality is making sure that your source code is the documentation uh, wherever that makes sense. In some cases, you will have really weird logic that you did because you needed performance, for instance, or because the libraries that you're using that you're dependent on, but you didn't write yourself, are so complex to use that you need to write some explanation uh, in the code itself to not confuse other people reading it. Perfect. No, that's a really great answer. Thanks, Claudio. It was really good. Um, very well explained. And then that leads us on to our final question of today um, that we have written down is, how can an engineer manager or a manager within tech promote a culture of documentation? Um, well, currently in the teams that I'm working with, this is something that I'm um, 
working a lot with because there are challenges across many of our organizations, I think, where there is, um, let's say, a resistance to documentation. And I think I brought it up in the beginning of the chat today uh, of where I believe that resistance come from comes from. Uh, and so, uh, of course, this is something I need to raise and discuss often. This is something that needs to be taken up in our ways of working. This is also something um, that uh, from time to time, I have to really sometimes make it very clear in an acceptance criteria of what I'm expecting. Uh, and that is the tool that I would use when the team is not really used to it yet or comfortable with it, actually putting it as an acceptance criteria. And then when they have forgotten it, which they will, remind them, hey, look at this acceptance criteria. We need to do this as well. It's super important. Um, secondly, is uh, working with product owners, uh, making them understand the same way as we've talked today about the importance of, of said documentation. Because if an engineer manager uh, has the, the trust and um, of the product owner and you have the product owner with you, this will be way easier. Secondly, or maybe this thirdly, even when you're planning with uh, your team, then always remind, keep reminding until it's natural. Hey, if we're if we're trying to figure out how big this is, whichever method you use for that, then uh, let's consider the documentation as well. Is there any level of documentation that needs to be updated? If that is the case, then uh, take this into account. Do you need to do an architectural architectural decision uh, and document that in an ADR? Well, take that time into account. Uh, when you're doing it, do you need to research something? Then take that time into account. And finally, I would say it's also uh, just having the discussion and promoting it in having teams understand that you're not asking them to write a, a novel. Uh, but actually explain again and again and again that we're talking about what is a reasonable level of documentation given who this is for, who you're targeting, who is the consumer and what you want to convey. And if they understand this, they will be able to 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 run with it themselves and do the, the right level documentation. Perfect. Amazing. But that's all of my questions I had, Claudio. Is there anything that I've not asked that you wanted to talk about today? Uh, not that I can think of uh, at the no. moment. Of course, there are other interesting details in this. But I think, uh, as you perfectly said before, uh, if there is one thing to take away here that connects all of this is exactly uh, that. Who is the particular piece of documentation for and what do you want to convey? Remember that and and teach that and then the level of abstraction or complexity will uh, fall naturally. And again, if you miss the point, sometimes you just have to write some more. Other times you just realize, hey, we could have written less, but it's a learning experience. You have to start somewhere. So my final thing would be, just start with some piece and see what, where that leads. No, amazing. I think the summary I got from what you just said, obviously I don't do coding myself, but documentation is something you actually do in every element of your life and you just don't necessarily pick it up. So make that unconscious habit with the coding and 
everything will go much smoothly and you'll be helping so many other people and your future self out um in the long run um but no thank you so much for sharing your opinions today it's definitely been a super insightful podcast um if anyone has any questions for claudio about this please reach out and we will ask them to him or reach out to him directly i'm sure he won't mind um but it's been a pleasure speaking to you again today claudio and hearing your thoughts about this it seems something that you have a lot of good ideas and a lot of experience with so thank you so much for your time